Are you guys awake? I can give you like a two-minute message if you want, if you're too sleepy. God's good. Jesus Christ came for you. Amen. End of the story. So welcome if you're here for the first time or it's your first time in a while. We're in the middle of a series, Walking with Jesus. It is probably my favorite series, um, mainly because I love going through the Gospels. Uh, that's Jesus, right? We get to Sometimes we just need a reminder of Jesus. And um, that's what we're doing. So the good news is you can miss stuff, show up and not be uh, lost because we are going through the Gospel of John together and sort of proverbially walking with him. Get it? Wake up, folks. It's, it's 11, okay? I'm telling you, we can't use that we're an evening church thing anymore. It's time to, to move past that. It's been four months, five months now. We are not an evening church anymore. All right? So, and it's not even morning. Anyway, let's move forward. Hey, do you guys know who's into social media? I keep bringing it up lately. I know you TikTokers are. You tiktok Yeah, you're into it. Here's the thing. Right now, there's this craze, and maybe it isn't, but maybe it's just the people I hang out with. Who, this is, now, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not a normal pastor. Whether that's good or bad, I'll let you be the judge of that. But have you ever heard of this thing about skinwalkers? Does anyone know what a skinwalker is? Raise your hand. Nice. That means, yeah, you're on. So, um, Tim, all the leaders are going, no, Todd, don't go here. Anyway, so there's these legends. It's been around for a long time. Now, the legends are there are these creatures, right? <laughs> Someone just came in right now. And they thought that all they heard was, there's these creatures. Anyway, without the legend part. In legend, there are these creatures that can sort of mimic animals and people and change into them. And here's the creepiest part of it. They can only mimic sounds they've heard before, right? So typically it's like, help me, help me, because they're eating someone, right? Get it in legend. And then so they mimic this voice, and then you go going, oh, i got to help someone in the woods. Someone's hurt. And then you get eaten and, and skinwalked, right? <laughs> You get what I mean? Does that make sense? Stay with me. I have a point here. It's not just this to, uh, to talk about that. So it really is. There's these videos online right now, on TikTok especially. I don't, I don't have a TikTok, okay, because I'm too old. But there's a lot of people that I spend a lot of time with who do, and they're always showing me, and they're pretty creepy. So I saw one the other week where this guy, and he says, unexplained. Now, here's the thing about social media. It could be real, right, or more likely he's just set this up for views, and it's working. Um, especially as he created, continued to create more and more videos of like, help me, I need help, someone come and tell me what this is. But he's in his house, and he's got his phone, and he says, I'm hearing my own voice ask me to come into the other room. And he has the audio, and he plays it. And so you hear his own voice say, hey, come in here a minute. It's really creepy. Uh, so either way, it's, it's, it's a creepy little video. So the idea of like... A skinwalker, what makes it so creepy is the idea that it can mimic you or people you love, right? It can mimic you, draw you in. Now, the reason that it's, it's you're kind of, the way you can kind of tell if it's a real person or not is one, they kind of walk funny, but even more, they, their, their mimicry isn't perfect, right? It's sort of this kind of creepy, have you ever heard like a computer mimic someone's voice? It's still kind of creepy. You know, you can still kind of go, yeah, that sounds like Brad Pitt, but kind of a bizarro one, right? Or what, whoever they're mimicking. It's got this strange kind of twist to it. Now, stay with me. You're going to believe this, Josh. When I wrap it all together, you're going to be amazed. But, so on Facebook, you know how it has that ability? We're going to shift gears. Where it can actually, you put a picture up, and it can recognize who you are and your friends. Is that not creepy? This has happened to me before. Someone put a picture of themselves from years ago, and it goes, Todd, you've been added in Bob's picture. And I'm like, what? And I look at it, and it's like 10 years ago, and it recognized me. I'm not even friends with Bob. It just somehow, in its, in its little system, has stored my image and knows how to recognize it. That's creepy. Now, you want to know something incredible? We, even though computers can do that, they cannot. One thing that we can still do better than computers and quicker is recognize human voice. Did you know that? I told you, Josh, I'd wrap it around. We are better than computers at recognizing voices, different voices, recognizing people by their voices, etc. In fact, there's, a, um, there's been scientific studies on it. We can't, they can't really figure it out. Our, spe our speech is so complicated pitch, right? Dialogue, um, not dialogue, dialect, and, and all these other things go into it to make a very specific voice. 
which is kind of crazy. That voices are that powerful. Did you know that someone's voice, the pitch of it, can influence how you view them? Not their singing voice, their speaking voice. So it's been scientifically proven, if you don't believe me, you can t- check out the 2016, I don't remember which month, of American Scientist Magazine. That's a true story, Tim. Look it up. In this magazine, they talk about the studies they've done on human voice. So for men, if men have a deeper voice, they're viewed, guys, here's your, here's your clue, as more attractive, typically, to women. If you have a deeper voice, you tend to be more attractive. Women, it's interesting, you kind of have a two thing. If you have a higher voice, you tend to be more attractive to, this is, don't be paranoid about yourself. Overall, because that's sort of uh, subjective too, right? Deep, high. But anyway, if you're higher, more attractive to males. But also, if your voice is lower as a woman, you're viewed as more dominant, right, among women. So then they've studied this with political um, figures, So presidential candidates, they have tested them just with voices right as they ran. And 69% of the time, people favored the presidential candidate without any knowledge of their base based on how deep their voice is. Isn't that interesting? That voices are that powerful. They can make us pay attention or they can make us, I welcome to school, right? And you kind of fall asleep like you guys do with me. Winston Churchill. If you see Winston Churchill, if you guys do you even know who that is? History lesson? Yeah, pretty big deal. Um, he essentially held out in World War II. If he hadn't been there and Britain had fell earlier, we'd have been in trouble, right? The whole world would have. Not a very impressive man physically, if you've ever seen him. But his voice commanded respect. His voice could bring a people who were getting bombed daily and make them somehow feel hope. So could another guy who was not physically imposing. His name was Adolf Hitler. And when he spoke, he could get an entire nation to do incredible things and commit horrible atrocities. Have you ever heard his voice? It is almost hypnotic and strange, isn't it? Not a very good-looking guy, right? Not a charismatic guy. Uh, Well, that's a lie. He is a charismatic guy. It's one of those things that shows you that charisma is not physical attractiveness, right? Force of personality. Why do I tell you all this? Voices are important. Voices are important. The voices that we listen to matter. I'm going to tell you something as we go on today that, that's going to shock you. You ready? Are you ready? Listen, you guys interact when I don't want you to and don't when I want you to. Are you ready? Yeah. Luke, look angrier. All right, here we go. <laughs> there, that's better. Um, Jesus Christ, this is important. Whether you're listening, watching on video, or here today, Jesus Christ was and is real. Now, I say that all the time when people are like, duh, Todd, get to the good stuff. No, let yourself sit in that. He's not a name. He's not a philosopher. He's not just going to be words on a page. He's not that silhouette. He is the living God, and he still lives today, and he's coming back. That is outside of a fact that has nothing to do with whether you believe it or not. Do you understand that? You could right now say, I don't believe anymore, and Jesus still exists. You could say, I believe Jesus isn't coming back, and he's still going to come back. If the entire world today said, I do not believe in Jesus Christ, he would still exist. That's an important thing. Why? Okay. I said he was, and he is. We also tend to think he's a dead guy. Don't you, Fib? I bet you do. Think about it. He was a dead guy who's given us wisdom today. That's how we view it. Even as Christians, we study this book, and that's why it doesn't have, it's not life to us, because it's just this old book that we're reading and learning from, and half of you go, I hate reading. P.S., you're in trouble, right? He is real. So what does that mean? He still speaks to us. I'm going to say that again. Jesus Christ still speaks to us today. He still speaks today. I'll just keep saying it until you pretend, until you actually listen. Jesus Christ still speaks today, Period. And it's still the most important decision we can make in this life is whether to hear that voice and to respond and to follow. Now, last week, if you are here the last few weeks, I get my own sermons mixed up. I talked about the idea that 95% discipleship is not good enough. 99%. 
I followed him most of the way, and then I walked away. Peter followed him, right, closer than the other disciples, yet at the end of the day, he denied Christ. We have to follow all the time, wherever he leads. Now, I love this because when I talk to Christians, you guys always say, every single person in the room says, this is for someone else. No, it's not. That's the thing about Jesus. There is not a single person that has an excuse. There's not a single person that can say, oh, I'm good today. That's not me. There are people in this room, and yes, I'll say it. I personally know you, and this is for you. So, whether we hear his voice and whether we respond and follow him, it's not half the time. It's not when you feel like it. It's not when you get to tell other people to listen. It's when you listen and respond. The single most important decision you can make in this life is whether you hear his voice and follow him. Period. Now, with that kind of power that lends itself to imposters, people who will use the name of Jesus and then mimic his voice, I will speak for him, and because I've attached his name to it, you must follow me. There have been horrible atrocities carried out in the name of Christ. And they, you ready for this? Do you think that they thought they weren't following him? I'm going to let that sink in. What if Jim Jones believed he was following Christ? What if he really did, all the way to the point when he gave babies poison Kool-Aid? Right? When we talk, about, when we talk to non-believers, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is how many different churches, and how many different denominations, how many different versions of the Bible, and they're all twisted, right? You've heard that, I guarantee you, so have I. And you probably go, that's true, I just choose to believe. But that's not true. That's not true. Well, it's a matter of interpretation. That's not true. There is a truth there is one singular voice that is Christ's alone. It is not a matter of interpretation. It can't be or this entire religion falls apart. If we cannot be sure what is Christ and what isn't, then what are we doing? There is only one Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how many denominations there are. It doesn't matter. It is confusing. There is only one Jesus Christ, there is only one truth, and there is only one way. Only one. Even if an imposter is 99% like Jesus, if that were even possible, the 1% disqualifies him immediately from being Christ. Do you understand? That voice, if it 1%, if that voice in one way leads you somewhere that Christ wouldn't, it isn't Christ. Even if it's your voice. Because you see, the voice that mimics Christ the most is your own. We throw out what we don't want to hear. We throw out what we don't like. But boy, do we wrap our lives around the verses we do like. That's what's happened in society. That's how we have phrases like progressive Christianity. I like love. I don't like truth. Because truth means he may tell me I'm wrong... I do not like that. And we tend to think, yeah, that's those crazy liberals, right? If you classify as a liberal here, I apologize. That's what they think, all right? It's those crazy liberals, and they're the ones doing it, man. No, you do it. Every time you justify, every time I do it, every time I justify my decision to do it my way when it clearly is not the way of Christ, so, if there's only one way, right, there's only one voice, we have to be able to stand and trust that voice. Because there are going to be imposters who are so closely wrapped around the voice, right? They're so close that it would fool a computer. But it shouldn't fool a true disciple. How do I know that? We're going to find out today. You see, I told you, Josh, stay with me. I'll get you there. There's only one way, there's only one truth, and we can take comfort in that. 
but only if we know his voice and can separate him from the imposters. So let's continue walking with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Start at verse 1, because we're just going to read almost the whole thing, okay? Now, this is directly after where we ended last week. Isn't that convenient? So even though you could show up today and get it, if you're here last week, what a treat. We continue on. Remember, last week, it ended with the blind man's story where the Pharisee said, man, I'm glad I'm not blind. And Jesus said, you're right. If you were blind, I could help you. But because you say you see, you can see I cannot help you. And we talked about the idea that that's not about sight, is it? It's about truth. It's about um, salvation. It's about knowing God. If you claim that you're good enough on your own, I can't help you. Directly after that, not the next day, not the next hour, in the same conversation, because we tend to think chapter break means like end of the scene, the next day. No, this is the same conversation. There are people around. He then, so he just says this. If you said you could see, I could help you, blah, blah, blah. He says, I am the good shepherd. Verse 1. Here we go. Oh, I'm completely wrong. I assure you. Thank you. They were confused. I'm reading my next page. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. What a weird switch. If you say you can see, it can help you. If you say you don't, I can't. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. It's important to note. There are Pharisees here, but there are also disciples, people that are following and learning from him, right? So envision in this moment, he's talking to the crowd. He says it directly to the Pharisees because they spoke to him and said, we see. And then he looks to the crowd and says this. I assure you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this illustration but they did not understand what he was telling them. Now, I considered giving you the whole background on shepherds and sheep. Most of you long-term Christians already know this, right? Sheep are not the brightest of animals, okay? And they're very skittish animals. And they do get used to a one voice, right? And when they feel safe, they'll come when that person calls, right? A shepherd spends a lot of his time with them. And otherwise, they flee in terror, right? What a strange little change here. So let's think about the characters we have in this analogy. He says, okay, we have anyone here is it by the sh- so we have the sheep pen, right? We have the door. We have a thief and a robber. We have one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So we have the shepherd, the doorkeeper. There's a lot of characters in this little thing. And the sheep. And Jesus says, listen, anyone who doesn't enter by the sheep pen by the door, but climbs somebody as a thief and a robber. Would you like to know who's the thief and the robber? If you get, there's a group of people, they're invited into your house, would you like to know which one of them are going to rob you blind? Yeah, of course you would. You wouldn't open the door for them, right? Now let's go on. So a thief, do thieves come in the front door? No. They don't typically, unless you leave it unlocked, that's a whole different story. No, they, right? When we draw thieves, even in cartoons, they're crawling on the roofs and sliding through windows. They don't come through the normal way. Why? Because they're not there for the good of those in the house. Right? It's not your property. So if someone's coming to some sheep and they climb over the fence when the door's over there, they're probably up to no good. Let's move on. They, they did not understand what he was telling them. Do you guys understand it? You say you do. Yeah, exactly. Even every time I read this, I'm like, I don't make sure who's who here. So Jesus again said, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, well, let's go back to the door. The door is anyone who enters the sheep pen by the door but climb, who doesn't go through the door. Anyone who doesn't go through the door is a thief and a robber. He says, I am the door. We, you with me so far? He's going to change characters here several times. It's interesting. He plays more than one character. He's like a really good actor, except it's true. Anyway, all who come, came before me are thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep didn't listen to them. Now, a lot of times when, I want to tell you now, do I tell you, do I wait? I'll wait. Before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Interesting. He will come in and go out to find pasture. Dominion of darkness, kingdom. This is good stuff. You come back, back out. Anyway, a thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I had memorized, I think, the NIV, though, right? The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give them life and give it to the full. That's the version I had. Have it in abundance. He says, I am the good shepherd. So now he's shifted. Now he's the good shepherd too, isn't he? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is a powerful section of scripture that's going to explain to you who Christ is. That he plays multiple roles in the kingdom. Right? He's the door by which we go in, but he is also the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. So now who's the wolf? Interesting. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. There's two people, two groups in the crowd right now. I told you this at the beginning. Who are they? There's the disciples, and by that I mean maybe not true disciples, but they're here to learn from Christ, the crowd, right? And then we have the Pharisees. A lot of times people assume this is talking about, you know, there were other people that claimed to be Messiahs that popped up during this time, right? And typically they tried to militarily overthrow Rome. It did not go well, okay? In fact, this is how they kind of justified killing Jesus because they're like, hey, this is another guy. We'll get to that later, multiple levels. But that's not what he's talking about. Because remember what made him say this whole thing was the Pharisees saying to him, hey, we're not blind. Implying that their way is the way to truth, right? Are you with me? I know this is deep. To salvation, to seeing, their way is the way to God. So what he says is, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Who's the hired man? The hired man is the Pharisees. The hired man is the one who was put into a position, right, for a job, but his loyalty deep down isn't to the sheep, right? If someone is there just for money, there's a price that can buy them, right? You've heard of that. If someone's only loyal to someone because of money or because of what they get, they can be bought. There's always a price. Everybody's got a price. He says, so going back to seven, we'll come back to that. So he's making a comparison here. He's looking at the people, and he's making a very subtle comparison. And the reason he's doing it is because if he straight out said it, they would have the hook they needed to kill him, but can't do it yet, right? He's got a purpose, but he's trying to teach them. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Everybody that came before and told you how to get to the kingdom, who told you that if you did these things, all of those people were thieves and robbers. I am the only way to get where? To the pasture, to get into the pen, to get into where God is, to get into the kingdom. I am the way. Anyone else is a thief and a robber. Oof. Well, what if they you know, do a lot of good in the community? Right? What if they have a massive ministry? What if they're on every ministry team? What if they donate? What if they help us to live a good life? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out. The thief, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Then he switches it again. So we now know there's only one way to life. Anybody else, a thief and a robber. Then he says, I'm the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for the sheep. The hired man. Who's the hired man? Yeah, the religious leaders. Anyone else. For us today, I always use Pharisees, but it's anyone else. Anyone else. Any religion any leader, any philosophy, any denomination, any pastor, anyone. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. Now, wolf here could have many meanings. Clearly Satan, right? But also any sort of trial, 
any sort of danger. What happens in the church today when someone makes a mistake? When they sin and fall? That's just an example or maybe something else happening. You know, a lot of times, everyone will be there for them when it's a life event outside of them. Hey, bring them. They have a baby. Let's bring them meals. They're in the hospital. Let's go there. But what happens when they fail? Well, the hired man often abandoned them because, hey, at the end of the day, I'm not going down. I'm not getting eaten by the wolf. This happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. He only cares about what? He doesn't care about the sheep. He cares about what? His money. His status, whatever it is, the hired man, what has been used to hire the man is what is most important to him, not the sheep. It goes on in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. As the father knows. Here we go. It's beginning. He's becoming more and more bold about what he's saying here. That gives me goosebumps just reading it. That's real. Look at that. It's some Holy Spirit goosebumps, right? I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep. (laughs) Guys, this is for you. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. (laughs) That's us, the Gentiles. This is why the Father loves me, because I'm laying down my life so I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. What a powerful truth here. Did you know Christ didn't have to choose to die for you? That at any moment he could have said, I'm not doing this. He could have. You know, you don't get it. You're going, "Mm," but he wouldn't. Yes, he could have. That's what he tried to tell Peter. Right? Peter pulls out the sword, chops the air, remember, because he's got a bad aim. Right? And he says, I could have called angels at any moment and ended this. Don't you understand? Now we know why he cried and said, listen, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. There were doubts. Did you know that? That Christ had moments of, of doubt about the plan? Right? His flesh, in his flesh, a war. Ah, I don't want this if there's another way. But what did he do? He said, if it can be taken away, if there is another way, please. But at the end of the day, your will be done, not mine. <clears throat> 19, I got to go faster. Oof, get excited. Again, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Huh. <laughs> I wonder which ones in the crowd were saying he's a demon, it's crazy. Hmm. What's demonic about what he just said? Nothing. Let's keep going. Verse 22. Then the festival dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple complex in Solomon's colonnade. What is that? It was a place where people would gather, these big columns, and they would sit and listen to different teachers. So, Jesus himself probably came here at one time as a boy and sat at the foot of someone and listened and asked questions and debate about God and truth. So he's walking along this, and that helps you understand who's coming here. Then the Jews surrounded him and asked. Now, whenever it says Jews here, it's not talking about every Jew. The religious leaders, the elite, right? How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Then the Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. What would have happened if he would have said right here, right there, straight up, I am the Messiah? They would have have killed him, right? They would have had their hook, but it wasn't time yet. He had more to teach you. He had more to teach you. You, you, me. Then the Jews surrounded us, tell us plainly, verse 25, I did tell you, and you don't believe. Jesus answered him, the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. (laughs) That's so good. He already told him the story, right? My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. This is my verse. I got them Holy Spirit goosebumps right now. That's it. When someone tells you that, you can lose your salvation when you've put your true faith in Jesus Christ. Ask them why Jesus said this then. 
Why did Jesus say, I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Even can they snatch themselves out of his hand? Of course not. Sometimes people take a truth. This is an aside, not in the notes. I'm telling you, that's why I like about walking with Jesus. We just, just follow Jesus wherever, right? I have a point, but maybe we'll get there. Here's the thing. It doesn't, so someone says, well, Todd, what about the sower and the seed? Blah, blah, blah. Right? The seed that falls on rocky ground. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. We don't want to make sure they're not. Listen, <laughs> that's going to show itself regardless. The only people you're concerning and you're worried about and that you are scaring and putting fear and weight on are the actual believers in, and sons of God, sons and daughters of Christ, true disciples. They're the only ones that really care. You're not going to magically make this, the rocky soil not rocky. Do you understand that? That's a deep thought. People take this truth and say, well, some people claim to be believers and then they're not. So, we, you know, that means that they, they lost it. No, it means they were never truly saved. That we must read Christ's words and understand it. I cannot tell you guys how, oh, I got to get myself in trouble. There are so many things accepted as truth by certain people. Huge sections of Christianity that if I'm completely honest, and, and I mean this without sounding arrogant because it's not my words, any true understanding of Scripture would show you that that's not the case. You know, I have some dear family members that I love dearly that we, you know, we, we, we're, they, they, say, they preach Christ, I preach Christ, we're together, and then we separate right here. Because they constantly want to scare people by saying, well, you went and did this, I heard you were at, at the bar, you're going to hell, literally. And then they use these verses out of context to justify it. Now, they, I know their hearts. I believe their hearts aren't in a bad place, but that doesn't mean they're speaking for Christ. Well, Todd, are you saying everybody should go to the bar? You're not listening. Substitute whatever you want there. This verse is very clear. Am I wrong? I give them eternal life, and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's it. 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one. Nobody can. Even I can't jump out of God's big hand. I can't. If I have truly put my faith in I can't jump out of it. Well, Todd, what about when you mess up? So what? I mean, it's, it's going to affect my life. God tells us these things after we're saved, not because sin doesn't matter. So again, before one of you runs out or cuts this at the wrong place, sin is destructive and leads to death, period. But the thing it does not lead to once you've put your faith in Christ is a loss of your salvation because that was never dependent on you. Now, don't twist that because a real disciple, right, and it says it in other sections, cannot live Right? Cannot continue, Scripture says, practicing sin, meaning it's not meaning if you're fighting it. You know, you, if you say you're a believer and are pursuing something that isn't of God, and you're just like, yeah, God's cool with me doing this. You're not, you're not listening to his voice. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Hey, I'm just seeing if you wake up. I got to do crazy things, man. This is why Furtick uses a skirt, squirt gun. Because you'll pay attention. Listen, all right. So I want to leave you with this. There's a lot here. I'm serious. I've thought about doing it. I said I was going to put jello in mine. See? That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Well, Todd, how's jello going to? It's not. It's just going to be sugary water. That's why it's funny. Anyway, so I want to leave you with this. We're going we're gonna to wrap every. There's a lot here. And that's why I gave you some little asides. But I want you to leave with something today, Okay? This is a powerful section filled with a lot, a lot of stuff. In fact, the gospel is wrapped in this. Here's what I want to leave you with. This simple question. Whose voice am I following? Whose voice am I following? Now, before I go on, I do believe it's possible that a believer, a true believer, at times, for, a, for, a, for periods, can be lured away by imposters. They can that doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you listen to the wrong voice. We always tend to think that if I don't feel like that, if God wants me to pay attention, if God wants me to go to church, if God wants me to give, if Jesus wants me to love, if Jesus wants me to have joy, he will just give that to me and I should do it. Otherwise, I'm free to do what I want. That's how we justify it. 
If I don't feel like it, then God must not want me to do it. Who's God then? You. You're always God. You, are, you always determine your truth. Whose voice am I following? Number one. Here's how you know. The real Jesus will always agree with the Bible. Period. It's so funny, man. I, I, I'm not speaking to anyone in the crowd because several people do this. Everybody's like, this is such a simple thing. Duh. No, no, no. This, that's what concerns me about you. Because if you can't find one area in your life where you follow something other than the Bible, then you're not honest, which means you may have never been poor in spirit, which means what? Do you inherit the kingdom? You have to be able to recognize this stuff. The real Jesus will always agree with the Bible. Life as, as a disciple is a constant state of kind of this, and then you got to kind of recalibrate, right? Because we're, we are sheep. That's why he uses that analogy. We wander around, and then we got to go, oh, there he is. But so, that, that's the truth. But the real Jesus will always agree with the Bible, the entirety of it. He will never contradict his own word. Number two. I, I need to stay there for a minute. Go back to one. Again, which one shall I pick today to anger you? Uh, giving. Right? I get it. There, I got some of you. I got you with the money. Yeah, giving. It's not optional. A believer will give. Well, Todd, um, I give directly to the meal ministry. So, yeah, that, that's the problem. You've determined how the money should be spent. Only you are wise only you are good, only you are sovereign, so I shall determine where it goes. Anytime I hear somebody tell me, well, I don't give offering, I give it to the local Salvation Army. Because I want it to really go to people in our town. You're missing the point of the money. It's not even about the church, it's about your heart and the money. I don't have any money. Oh, really? Come on now. Because you're all sitting in this room, you had some money. I bet you had a pot today. I bet you had an energy drink. I bet you had a coffee or a bagel or a Starbucks. I'm just, I mean, I'm doing this to make you mad because then you start understanding what I mean, okay? Go to church. Guys, I, I always say this because it's so important. I was, I was that person. I was that person. I did not believe. I literally said, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I said those words. They came out of my mouth. That's why I have the saying that I say back to young Todd. Yeah, you're right, Todd, but Christians go to church. I'm talking to myself, and I'm talking to you, and no amount of justification is going to change that. Do not neglect to meet as is the habit of some. That's what it says. You want to know where you're at when you start going, well, what is the habit? You know, a habit is really undefined by seven times in a year, and it's only been six and a half for me, Right? Again, the heart. I don't know why you sound like a nerd in my mind when you do that. But How about forgiveness? How about respect? How about the one that I get flack for all the time? And if you're one of the people that asks this question at Real Talk and you can go listen, it's a great question. Todd, all you talk about is submission. Man, you ain't listening. You haven't been here long enough. Stay a little while. Trust me, I've only done one sermon directed at a gender and it was men but I'll tell you this the reason I bring it up is the exact reason you asked the question because it irritates people the words everybody in America that is a Christian agrees with love actually I bet you every American unless they're a psycho is going to say I believe in love love is good men should love their wives but I start talking about you submitting to your husbands and all of a sudden I'm a chauvinistic pig I'm just telling you it says it I'm not even defining it for you Ephesians chapter 5, go read it. And I'm not mad that you asked that question if you're in this room. You know who you are. I think it's a great question. But what I'm saying is you got to check your heart and say, why? Why, why, did I, why, did I, why did that bother me? What's Todd doing? Is he dominating women? <laughs> Again, you don't know anyone in my family if that's what you think. Because it's a battle for me to, to survive. Okay? What's your thing? What's your thing that you're sitting there assuming Jesus is cool with? We tend to do that too, right? Do you ever do that? You mess up and you go, you know, he's okay with me doing this one time. I do. Submission. I'm going to say it again until you get real mad. Submission. Submission. Slavery. Anyway, no, that's not what it is. But see, I'm trying to get her. 
The real Jesus will always agree with the Bible. And I say this all the time, and I feel like people really think, most of the time I'm preaching to myself, and I guess I hope it impacts you like it impacts me. But what I realize is I have got to fit myself around the Bible and around God's truth and not fit God's truth around me. I have to. Is that comfortable? No, it is not comfortable, (laughs) which is another point I have. Number two, look at this. Isn't that a good segue? The real Jesus will sometimes make you uncomfortable. You want to know whether you're following Christ? It's uncomfortable. It is. He is going to challenge your viewpoints. He's going to challenge your comfort. He's going to challenge what makes you happy. He's going to challenge what you put your identity in, your value in. He's going to challenge that by just his existence. It reminds me so much of when the next section, it says they want to kill him. Right, you'll see this next week. They, they picked up stones after he said this part here about uh, no one can snatch them out of my hand. It said they picked up stones to stone him, and he just said, for which one of my good works are you about to kill me? Right? And it's the same thing. Which, which truth are we trying to hate? Right? He makes us uncomfortable just by his existence. He is the mirror by which we know we don't measure up. But that sounds really not hopeful unless you're putting your identity in your own self-righteousness, in your own holiness. I've come to set the captives free. He said that. Free of what? The weight of their own salvation? A lot of things. Weight of sin that binds us. Number three, the real Jesus, this is so important, keeps his promises. And I put here that he won't let you go. He won't let you go. The real Jesus will never tell you that if you went, you stumbled off the path for a second or you wandered away. And sometimes you make serious, heinous decisions. The real Jesus will never tell you, well, now I'm going to let you go. Now I'm done with you. You've gone too far. He will never, ever, ever break his promise. And they're all tied together, right? It will always agree with the Bible. The Bible just told us he won't let you go. He will keep his promise. So it doesn't matter if you're at a church. It doesn't matter if it's me. When someone tells you, now, sinful conviction of sin is one thing, but condemnation is another. Conviction has hope, right? There's hope for a change. There's hope for newness. There's hope for healing. Condemnation says there's no hope. You might as well what? Die. Real Jesus keeps his promises. Number four, the real Jesus will call you out from the crowd, not into it. I cannot tell you how many times, and I don't know if I should say this on camera, but I mean, it's already said. And I know other churches. Again, you can look up John MacArthur right now, and they'll call, did you know people call John MacArthur a cult leader? You believe that? Google it. Google John MacArthur cult. Anytime. A church truly, and I believe this, a Christian, let's not say a church, a Christian truly seeks to follow God. Inevitably, they will call him crazy. In my, in my uh, case, I had family members say literally this exact phrase, you take this God thing too seriously. That, that, that's the truth. Because inevitably, it's going to make you leave the crowd, not join the crowd. Remember this? How do I know that? Well, Jesus said this. Narrow is the way to life, and few will find it, right? Wide is the path to destruction, and many will enter it, right? If you think that the majority of people are are following Christ, even the majority of self-proclaimed Christians are following Christ, you're mistaken. They're not. And I get it. I feel the same way. There are times, guys, are we ready for a real confession, that I will sit and I have a message And it's supposed to be, and I go, you know what? I should give a happy message. I should just focus on something happy that makes people, I promise you, I confess it now. I have moments where I am literally tempted to say, dude, I should just do a happy message. And then people will like me. And then people will come. And then people will be smile when they're in the sermon instead of fall asleep, right? Whatever it is, I promise you, I have that temptation. I had it yesterday morning. I was like, I know what I was going to talk about. I was like, dude, I should, I should, dude, <laughs> you see I hang around young 20-something. I should change that. I should do something like about, um, I don't know, God's going to give you all your dreams or something crazy like that. I, I had that thought. Because a lot of times that's what the crowd of pastors are doing. 
sometimes, the ones at least that we give glory to, right? They make us feel good. I like a good encouraging message too. But more than that, I like to hear the word of God. And the word of God is always encouraging because there is always hope in Jesus. But the hope isn't in you or me. And sometimes that's what we want. We want someone to give us a message that's hope in me or you. That you can change yourself or you can have your dreams or you, you, you. Where you're the focus of the story. Where I'm the focus of the story. But Jesus isn't there. Jesus is at the very end by himself on the cross. These crowds, as we follow through the Gospel of John, will begin to slowly walk away. Everyone loves miracles. You were here a couple weeks ago. Everyone loves bread. Everyone loves healing. Everyone loves love. People do not like to look in the mirror and see their sin. And that is the mystery of the Gospel. Because only in being poor in spirit, mourning our situation, understanding the depth of our own depravity, can we find the joy that comes the joy that comes from hearing God himself say, I won't let you go. Number five. This is so, the real Jesus leads to transformation and peace. Now, that's interesting words I put together, probably for some of you. It will change you. Following Christ, you will not be like other people. You just won't. You will not be like the crowd. You may not even be like your family. Right? Jesus said that too. He said, you think I've come to bring peace? I came to bring the sword to turn father against son and daughter against mother. And you're like, well, that sounds mean. No, because there's a time and a place where we will branch off from those closest to us. No matter how close we are, if they're not following Jesus and we are, there will come a time when we go this way and they go that way. Whether now or on the other side of death. But there will come a time... There should come a time in this world where our differences show. It changes us. If you're following Jesus, even in this room today, if this is your church and you say, I'm a disciple and you are the same today, the exact same as you were when you first became a believer, whose voice did you follow? And peace is the other side of that. Peace in this sense if you truly, you know, one of, one of the things I always tell people, because, man, listen, I doubt myself. I don't even like myself a lot of times. I self-condemn. It's hard for me to let go of my past. That's real. I'm being very transparent with you. But one thing I promise you I have confidence in is my relationship with Christ. I know for a fact it can never be taken away. You can't take it away. Bob can't take it away. Pastor Jimmy Joe can't take it away. None of you can take it away. So that means if you all leave me, I'm going to be sad for like a day or 12 years, whatever. But... I'm going to rest in the fact that he said he'll never let go of me. There is peace in that. I always try to get people to understand this truth the easy way and not the hard way. I had to learn it the hard way. It was only in the moments when everyone left me for things that I did that were real and true. They were bad. P.S. guys, I didn't kill anyone or anything. All right? I always feel like when, you know, I should have just left it though and let you think that. But the point is it wasn't good. Right? It was wrong and it's sinful and people walked away. But it's funny, man. It's so funny what the crowd does. They don't just walk away from you. They eventually turn around and they pick up those stones, right? And they want to kill you. I think the reason is because it reminds them of their own. But there's peace in Christ. There shouldn't be a constant grind of, of, of I've got to perform, you know, at this performance treadmill. I've got to keep up. I've got to climb the ladder. I've got to blah, blah. I've got to get up the hill, and if I make a mistake, I'm going to backslide, right? That's not Jesus. Todd, are you saying you can't backslide? If you mean your salvation, yes. Can you backslide in your sanctification and your maturity? Can you act silly? Yeah. Is it serious? Yeah. Does it hurt your life and your testimony? Yeah. But if I can slide off the hill and slide out of Jesus' hand, then he's a liar. Yes or no? Did he not say he couldn't? So if I can slide out, I, he is lying. That's not true. The real Jesus leads to transformation and peace. I oftentimes, 
I'm not a great pastor because I just know what I'm about to say. And I'm not supposed to be this transparent. So those that are part of ministry teams, man, this is the last two weeks I've not come in in a good place. I haven't. I admit that. You know, I can't tell if I'm sad or I'm mad. I feel mad. <laughs> but typically me, if I'm mad, I'm actually sad. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm saying, and I hesitate to say this, but I am. And it ends with, with myself because that's what God does. But I look around sometimes and I go, goodness gracious. Life in this world is hard enough. People hate and people tear us down and we expect it. Why in the world do God's people continue to act just like the world? I, 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 it makes me crazy. You know, when I look around, something as simple, I never thought I'd be this pastor because I just was, if it's, God has such a sense of humor. When I look around and I see a church that has 100 people growing out of nothing and then there's 75 I never understand that. I didn't get to come to my church for a long time in 2013. My own church, the one I helped start, okay? Church discipline works for everyone. And when I did this, when I still went to church. I still wanted to hear the word of God. I still wanted to worship God. I can't understand it. I can understand sinning and messing up. Don't worry about that. I'll get to, uh, but I can't understand the, the, the lack of desire, the self-justification. Here's the thing. I do a lot of jerky things like today. I told you I was sad and mad. But the truth is when I'm in my office alone, there's that familiar feeling called conviction where God says it doesn't matter what they're doing. Have you looked in the mirror today? And I'm like, dang it. Why can't I blame them? I struggle with the concept of excuses among God's people instead of repentance. That when we have problems with each other, we are told we, we can't just come up to each other and talk it out and say, I don't like you. You smell weird. Yes, that's hurtful, right? But at least I can either take a shower or tell you that you have bad taste. Either way, we deal with it. I could give up a hundred other reasons. It's really funny. I'm not one of those guys, even when I tease people about falling asleep and stuff, it doesn't really hurt me. I promise, because I'm not really looking at you. When I get frustrated, it's like, how can you do that? And then go home and watch Netflix and stay away for four hours. How can you do that? Because you're waiting to be entertained? You should be thirsty for living water. How can I come and show up and right before God gets me, right? Like right before AJ's back there. He saw it. Right? He probably saw it, and he's like, hey, man, love you. Because he knew where I came back to. It's God again, right? I'm all, I'm, and then God's like, man, is this not good enough? That's what I felt, man. Is it not good enough that I get to preach his word? It should be. What an honor. What an honor that you get to sit here and worship God when there are people, places that would and do die to do it. So I often ask myself, and it's funny how this came up, and I guess it's, sometimes I get distracted by the voices that say, the only way you know you're successful as a pastor is how many people are in the seats. So if people are leaving, then I guess what? I guess I'm not doing a good job. So maybe I should get the jello and the squirt gun. Right? If you're falling asleep, maybe I'm not entertaining enough. Maybe it's the podium. Maybe I should get a table and sit with some water and a tripod or whatever. I don't know, whatever those things that sit up the iPads, okay? <laughs> and I mean that genuinely. So I know you have to have moments like that. Moments where you go, what, what, what's the point? When those moments come, it's not the voice of Jesus that's speaking to you. Right? For me, it's the voice of, hey, pastors, hey, Todd, if God really called you to this, maybe this is proof it wasn't real, even though there's a thousand miracles that prove it's true, right? Same for you. Well, if you're not happy, must be something wrong with you. Maybe this whole Jesus thing wasn't real when we haven't read the word in weeks. I had a good friend of mine recently. I was talking to him, and he's like, I don't know how I got here. He doesn't hear sermons. He doesn't worship he doesn't read the Bible, and he doesn't pray. That's like asking a tree to grow apples when it gets no sunlight, right? 
isn't in good dirt and doesn't get watered. Of course it's not going to. It's still an apple tree. It's just unhealthy. So, many times, guys, we're being led away by other voices. And I think sometimes we fail our kids because we don't tell, we let, we kind of tell them about Jesus, but we let them live in this TikTok world, man. I'm going to keep making fun of it, right? This world, because you don't tell them the truth, and you say, oh, everybody goes through it, right? And they're going to come to the age where they get it. How old was David when he killed Goliath? Whose voice are you following? Are you listening to the good shepherd's voice? Are you listening to someone else? Have you been enticed and lulled away by some other voice mimicking Jesus? Are you mimicking him yourself? Do you create a gospel that's like Thomas Jefferson where you cut out the parts you don't like? Did you know he did that? Look it up. He cut out the parts he didn't like. Is that what you do? Is that what I do? Well, I thought this was a good place to be, but I'm not happy anymore, so God must not be here. For what good things are you stoning me for? Have you let other voices make you afraid that he's left you? Afraid you've went too far, afraid you deserve the stuff that's happening to you? Right? Who asks those kinds of questions? The Pharisees, right? Hey, was it his sin or the sins of his parents that made him blind? Reminds me of a friend, a good friend that goes here whose church leaders told him that the reason his son had really bad shingles and stuff in his eye is because of his sin, his mother's sin. That's a real story. But if you ask that church, you ask those leaders, you ask those Christians, they say, I never... Somebody made that up? Come on. What do you actually believe? Whose voice are you actually following? Have you let voices make you afraid he's left you, let you go, done with you? Have you wandered away so far that it feels like oftentimes you can't hear him anymore? It's like sitting in the room, but you turn the music up too loud. Here's the beauty. He said he'll never let go of you. He said he'll never let go of you. He's still in the room. He never leaves us. That's why I love that analogy. Sometimes it's like I'm sitting in the living room and I'm like, I can't hear you. And he's like, just turn the music down. I'm like, what? If I just turn it down, I can hear him clearly. God will never let go of you. God loves you right where you're at. If you put your faith in him, even if you haven't, he's here today to give you the opportunity to follow his voice. You know as well as I do. It doesn't matter if you're a TikTok kid. Then I shouldn't call them kids, right? Or whether you, I'm a Christian forever and, you know, I should be preaching to Todd. That's some of you. That's okay, I get it. You probably could do better than me. But either way, either way, what voice are you listening to? Because Jesus always leads to good. I guess that's the best thing to put. He can always lead to better. He does. I always tell you the bad so that you can let go of your, you know, our piddly things we hold on to and have real joy. It's okay, we're not going to do an altar today. Guys, uh, <clears throat> in those watching, I'm going to ask you to, to do this today. I'm going to ask you if you say, you know, to be honest with yourself, and I'm going to pray for us, and, uh, I, you know, you pray with me and you pray for me and pray for our country, pray for our churches, pray for yourself, pray for God. But let me ask you this. Whose voice are you following, and what are you going to do today to show that you're following Jesus? What, what are you going to do that might be uncomfortable? What are you willing to let go of, repent of, turn away from, ask for forgiveness of? What are you going to do differently? And if you're one of the people in the room, though, that you're the other way, you're like, man, I know I'm bad. I'm, I'm, I'm so bad that I shouldn't even get up, and God does, wants nothing to do with me. You get to, this is for you, too. He's never let go of you. He loves you as much today as the first day you met him. His love never wanes. It's a fancy word for gets less. Right? Sometimes ours does for him. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the times that we create a version of you that makes us comfortable instead of a version of you that leads to life. 
God, that we, we don't follow you, that your people don't, that we are disobedient in the small things, and in doing so, Lord, we damage our testimony about you. God, I know I am. Lord, we pray for this country, for those who follow your voice, Lord, that they would truly begin to follow it as radical places it may live. I mean, lead, lead um, to love and grace and mercy, but also to truth. God, I pray um, that these people in this room today would experience joy and peace. God, that they would just rest in your kingdom, rest and allow themselves to enjoy community and fellowship, and that pleases you, Father. Lord, we pray for those in this room that are hurting, that maybe have made mistakes or have secret sin or, or can't let go of the past. Lord, I know what that's like. Father, I pray for them now that they would have peace that transcends understanding. God, that they would read your words and seek it out and find the comfort that comes from your promises because you always keep your promises. And Father, um, we just ask that for a renewal and a revival in this country specifically, in the United States, that we would stop seeking just... Um, to have the world accept us, that we would stop trying to assimilate and, be, and, and want to be welcomed, Lord, but that we would truly accept being set apart because we're following your true voice. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.